Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Um, this message this morning, I'm going to be continuing with the series that we've been doing for a while now in the book of Ephesians. And um, last week, Dave Hunter shared about being an imitator of Christ. And funny thing, but what I'm sharing follows straight on from that because it's in the Bible and they follow straight on the passage he shared and the passage I share. It's kind of cool how... God does that. He writes things in the Bible that link together, which is why it's really great to read like a whole book of the Bible instead of just a passage if you ever have time to do it. Some books of the Bible only take about three or four minutes to read. Most of them take longer. But I encourage you to read a whole book if you ever get a chance to, you know, sit down and read the whole book of Ephesians in one because a lot of these books of the Bible were actually designed to be written, to be read like that, like they were a letter written to a church. And so if you get a letter from a friend, I mean, I haven't got a letter from a friend in a long time because people don't usually send letters anymore. But when I used to get letters, I had like a pen pal in primary school or something. If like I wouldn't just read like one sentence from it and be like, oh, now I know what this letter is about. You usually read the whole thing and there was like a story and a reason behind the whole thing. And when we read Ephesians and study it and preach from it, it's totally valid to read a verse or to memorize a verse or to preach from a pa- like a passage from it. But it's also really awesome and great. And I think partly how it was intended to be read if we take time to read a whole thing. So it's my challenge to you this week. And if you really are like, man, I cannot read a whole book of the Bible. Second and third John are like half a chapter. They're so short. I reckon anyone could do it. So my challenge for you this week is read a whole book of the Bible if you can. Read the whole thing. Get the whole picture of what it's talking about. So what I'm preaching about obviously follows straight on from what Dave was preaching about last week because he's preaching the little section of the passage just before what I'll be talking about. And so today we're going to be talking about being people of the light and what it means to be people of the light. And um, if you are here and you aren't a Christian, you're not a believer, or you're just not really sure where you're at with God, we just want to say welcome. We're so glad you're here with us this morning. We just want to say you're so welcome. And um, I hope that this message will really encourage you. And I want to let you know that at the end of the message, we'll be giving you an opportunity to come into a relationship with Jesus if that's something that you want to do. Um, Yeah, and so just let's be all in this morning as we have a bit of a chat about what it looks like to be a person of the light. So we're reading this morning from Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 8 down to verse 13. So if you have a Bible, um, you can encourage you to read along. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. It says, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said... Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And so in that passage, a really key symbol and theme that runs through it is the theme of light and darkness, light and darkness, light and darkness. I'm sure you saw that. It's all over that passage. And so I want to have a quick chat about that symbolism before we like really look through verse by verse in this passage, because I think it's really powerful to understand it. 
Um, and so that light and darkness are really contrasting ideas. I don't know about you, but I have never walked into a room and been like, far out. This room is so dark and so bright. I just can't handle it. Like a room can't be totally dark and totally bright at the same time. It, you mean it can be like, you know, a dull light. That's true. But it can't be totally dark and totally light at the same time. They're contrasting ideas um, in the Bible. And, you know, the very first thing that God did, this is like in the first couple of verses of the Bible, it says, Then the Lord said, Let there be light, and there was light. He separated the light from the darkness. And I think that was, you know, probably very literal, but I think that there may have been some kind of spiritual significance behind that as well, that from the very start of time, God said there is a difference between what is light and what is dark. There is a distinction between what is light and what is dark. And this symbolism is all over the Bible. So I'm just going to quickly run through a bunch of other verses that talk about light and darkness. Because when, we, when there's a, um, like a concept in the Bible, it's often really helpful to look at other places it talks about that concept. Because it helps us to really get a sense of the symbolism and why this symbol is being used and what it means because what the symbol means to us in our day might be slightly different to what it means to them. This one particularly is extremely universal, light and darkness, so I think it's pretty easy for us to understand, but I think it's helpful anyway. So I'll just run through a couple of other places in the Bible where it talks about light and darkness. And so this is Luke 22, 53. This is a really weird one, um, an interesting one. So Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's been praying and he knows he's about to go to the cross and then the army comes to take him to be like arrested and he says to them, while I was with you daily in the temple, you did not lay your hands on me, but this hour and the power of darkness are yours. And so what he's saying to them is he's like, guys, I've been like in the temple preaching every day. You've seen me every day in a really convenient place. They were literally temple guards. It was like at their job, he was there preaching. But instead of arresting him there in the daylight when he was preaching, they like snuck out and went to the Garden of Gethsemane and they're like, ha, huh, I got you in the darkness at night and we're gonna take you and arrest you now. And Jesus says to them, he's like, you didn't arrest me in the light. This hour is yours, darkness is yours, this night is yours. And so you've come and chosen to arrest me now in the darkness, which is really interesting. John 3.19 says, This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. And so Jesus, in this passage, Jesus, it's like, so John 3.19, so it's just after John 3.16, and he's talking to Nicodemus and having a big chat about what salvation means. And Jesus is talking about himself here. He says, The light has come into the world, which is himself, and the people love the darkness more than the light because their deeds were evil. And so one of the things that light does is it exposes things, right? It, it let, like you can see something in the light. And so if your deeds are evil and you want to keep them secret, when the light comes on, that's an issue because you can, because it can be seen. And this is what Jesus is saying there. He's saying that the deeds people are doing are evil. And so they don't like that I've come to be the light because they want to keep doing their own thing and doing what is evil. So that's what he's talking about in that passage. Um, in Romans 13, 12, Paul is writing and he says, the night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. So there's this symbolism again that in the darkness, there's evil and it's so kind of like you feel like you're okay to do evil, but when the light comes on, it's daytime. It's time to get up and work and to do what is right. 
And he's saying that the night is almost gone, the day is near, which I'm pretty sure in that passage, he's kind of talking about the end of time is near. And I know everybody forever has always thought the end of time is near. And I think that God wants us to always think that. I think he wants us to always think that he could be coming at any minute. And so they thought that then, and we think that now. And if the day is near, if the time Jesus is coming is near, then we need to take that seriously and live like that now, live his way now, not just hide in darkness and think it's never going to come. And that's what that's saying in that verse. And then in 1 John 1, 16, it says, if we say we have fellowship with him, with Jesus, and yet we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. So in this passage, it talks about walking in darkness as in doing what is wrong, doing things that are evil. It's really similar symbolism. We lie and we do not practice the truth if we walk in darkness and we do what's wrong, even if we say that we have fellowship with God. And then Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so over and over and over again, this symbolism is very clear in the Bible that darkness represents what is evil. It represents a place where evil thrives. It represents a place where things are not revealed. A place where, where, where essentially Satan rules and reigns. And what's so interesting is that just before Jesus died, it says, and even other historians have noted this, that the world became dark before Jesus died on the cross. It literally, like the sun went dark in the middle of the day before Jesus died on the cross. And I think that's really significant, that symbolism. Like, that's full on. God took the symbolism so seriously, he like blacked out the sun. It's pretty cool. And I think that even beyond like the biblical symbolism, we actually experience this contrast between light and darkness all the time. I love fairy lights. I, I grew up in a home where we had fairy lights everywhere at all times. Fairy lights were not a Christmas thing. Fairy lights were just an always thing. And mum was always very distressed if the timer got set wrong and her fairy lights weren't on. She always wanted the fairy lights to be on at the right time. And now that I have a house, I am exactly the same. And I have the fairy lights out on the porch all the time and fairy lights in my house. I just love lights. And the reason that we often, like, I think a lot of us, I mean, not everybody loves fairy lights as, as much as our family. It's a little bit weird. But for most people, people love light, right? Because um, even there in Vanuatu, where we put those lights on, that was amazing because people could come and they could gather and they could see. And it was something that drew people in. Light actually draws people in. People want to be places where it's light. Light is actually really attractive. Light is often related to warmth. The sun is light and warm. Fire is light and warm. Lamps are light and warm. Usually if you have a heater in your house, often it lights up. Light and warmth are really related. Light makes us feel safe. Kids aren't usually scared of the light. They're usually scared of the dark and you'll put on a night light to make them feel safe or you'll switch on the light in the hall and open the door and that makes them feel safe. Life, light comes with a sense of safety and security. Um, like, um, you know, if you've, I, I've had a couple of times when I was at a conference and I had to walk home from a train station um, and so I had to walk to the train station in the morning and that was fine and I felt totally safe and secure to walk to this train station in Sydney in the daylight and when I got home and it was dark, I was like on guard. Like, should I pretend to be on my phone and be talking to someone? Like, ah! the darkness doesn't feel as safe as the light does. And we know that. We experience that all the time. And light makes things known. You know, we can only actually see the world because of, I mean, most of the world because of the sun and in here because of these lights that are on. Light is beautiful. 
You know, we have flashing lights up here because it's pretty, you know. We have fairy lights because it's beautiful. Light is beautiful and light reveals the beauty of other things. And God is light, you know, and He calls us to be people of light. And so when we're talking about what it means to be people of light, this is what it means. It means to be these things, to be warm, to be a place that, like, to be safe, to be a place where people want to come and be near. People want to be near light. And we are people of light. That's what God's called us to be. That's who He said that we are. And before I jump into the passage, totally, there's one more thing I want to talk about, this association between light and darkness. And we see this so clearly in the movies that we watch. Christian movies, non-Christian movies alike. There's this huge association between what is evil and what is dark, that they are really associated. If you think of Lord of the Rings, um, in that movie, you know, there's like the dark riders and they're like terrifying and they're like these big dark things and they're scary. And then all the good creatures are like beautiful and you see them in the daylight. And then the evil creatures, you see them at night. They come under the cover of darkness. They're orcs. They come out looking all gross and, oh, it makes me feel sick. I hate it. And, and we see this symbolism so clearly. Even in Aquaman, and I have to say, I saw Aquaman recently. I did not like it. DC needs to step up their game. It's not as good as Marvel. I don't care what anyone says. I was just really unconvinced by it. But anyway, there was this one scene in Aquaman where they actually fight off these creatures with light. They say, these are creatures of darkness. And so they're like, hold on to these lights and the creatures won't come near them because it's light. So this symbolism is everywhere in the movies that we watch. And I'm actually just gonna play a little clip from a movie and like, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard, but sometimes people will make this joke about like, oh, I'm totally cool with going to hell. I'd love to have a party with the devil. And it makes me really like sad and concerned when people say that. I'm like, do you know what darkness is? Like parties are like heaven's realm. You know, parties are fun. Parties are great. But like, that's not what hell is like. That's not what darkness is actually like. And um, I don't, have you guys seen the Chronicles of Narnia? A lot of people would have seen that, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And there's this scene in it, and I can't believe they put it in a kid's movie that's rated PG. It still makes me feel scared and sad even today. Every time I see it, I'm like, oh, this is so sad. It's so scary. Um, but I think that it's good that they did it because it shows us it's such a powerful representation of what darkness is really like. We can kind of romanticize it, and think, oh, you know, that's, you know, it's interesting and blah, blah, blah. You know, I want to go party with the devil, but it's not. Darkness isn't actually attractive. Darkness is ugly and it's evil. And so the scene that we're about to show is the scene where Aslan is going to kind of sacrifice his life. And obviously it, you know, is this picture of Jesus going to sacrifice his life. And it's partly a really powerful scene because this is what Jesus actually did. He actually went as a lamb to the slaughter for us and walked through the darkness to bear the darkness for us. And the darkness that he was witnessing and experiencing in that moment was way worse, obviously, than what a Hollywood movie can portray. But I think this movie does a good job of helping us to get a picture of what darkness is like. And so I'm sure a lot of you will have seen it before. Um, but yeah, we'll just play this scene. It's PG, if I think most of the kids aren't in here. And I don't know, I may be just a scaredy cat, but I found the scene scary, so <laughs> I think we'll be all good. So Anna, we'll just roll that scene. 
I always like the scene always just makes me so emotional to just think that that's actually what Jesus did. Like he actually walked through that kind of evil and darkness for us and that that's actually what our life and our future would look like if it wasn't for what Jesus did. And it's just obviously a movie representation and the reality would be so much worse. But when we talk about creatures, like people of the darkness, I feel like that's just a really good symbolic representation of what darkness looks like. And so as we talk about darkness in this passage, that's what darkness really looks like. Darkness doesn't look like partying with the devil. Darkness looks evil and ugly. And, you know, there's no hope in it. There's no hope in it. And so we'll just go to the passage now. So I'll just start in verse 8. And it says, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light in the Lord. And so what he's saying in that passage is that, you know, before we're saved, we're not like literally full of weird creatures or something, but we're, we're actually, that, that's, that sense of evil is actually part of us. It's part of who we are before we become a Christian, right? He says, once you are full of darkness. And we sometimes question and we say, why is there evil in the world? Why is the world evil? And it's like we remove ourselves from the evil in the world. But a more accurate question would be, why do you do what is evil? Why do I do what is evil? Why do we lie and cheat and steal and gossip and stab people in the back and insult people? Why do we do what is evil? And it's not comfortable. It's much easier to say, oh, why is there evil and pretend that evil is something out there separate from us. But the truth is that there's like an instinct in us for what is evil. But the good news is that now we have light in the Lord. You know, if we're saved, if we're a Christian, we actually have light now. That isn't us anymore. That isn't our future anymore. Jesus actually defeated that so that we could have light. And that's amazing. But then the next verse, it says, so li- oh, the next sentence says, so live as people of the light. And so this is, this is the dilemma. This is the premise of the whole verse. If you are a Christian, you once were full of darkness, but now you're full of light in the Lord. You have the Holy Spirit. You have a new nature. You are full of light. God has given you light, but you have to choose. Are you going to live as a person of darkness or are you going to live as a person of the light? Are you going to live as a person of darkness or are you going to live as a person of of the light. And then in verse 9 it says that this light within you produces only what is good and what is true. And I think that's pretty encouraging that God's light and God's holy spirit within us it produces what is good and what is right and what is true in our life. It actually gives us the ability to be and to do what is good. And, you know, we talked about how light is warm and it's attractive and there's beauty. God actually puts that in us. What is warm and what is attractive and what is beautiful, He actually puts that in us and gives that to us in our life, which is pretty encouraging. I'm so sorry. My verses are all in the wrong order. Give me one second. My verses. The Bible's in the right order. My notes are in the wrong order. Awesome. All right, I got it. And so it says, For this light from within you produces only what is good and right and true. Therefore, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. So this is the challenge. 
We have light. God has given us light. This light within us leads to what is good and what is right and what is true. So our challenge is live as people of the light. Carefully determine what pleases God. How can I live that out? Because the reality is that we can actually contribute to the evil of the world. And I know it's not nice to talk about, right? And I know it's ugly and I know it's like not pleasant. And yeah, yeah, I came to church to be told I could contribute to the evil of the world. But it's actually true, right? Like it talks about this in this passage. And we can see that evil isn't some problem, you know, out there, way out there, other people's problem. We actually can contribute to the evil of the world. But we also can contribute to the goodness and the redemption of the world. As people of the light, we can contribute to the goodness and to the redemption of the world. So we are challenged to carefully um, investigate and find out what pleases God, to determine what pleases God and to live that out. And then in verse 11, it says again, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. And I think that's an interesting verse. And I don't think it means that we are supposed to just have no idea about evil things in the world. But what I think it's saying is that we need to not be fascinated by evil. We need to not be fascinated by, wow, the demonic realm, wow, seances, wow. What is it like in a demonic Hindu temple? Like, wow, like what is it like? And to talk about it and to be fascinated by it and to be fascinated by evil because that actually gives it power. And also when we are... Um, when we're terrified of it, it also gives it power. And so I think Paul's exhortation isn't to, you know, just have no idea of any evil thing in the world. That's obviously not our calling as Christians, but to be careful how we treat it, to not be fascinated by it and to not be terrified by it, you know, to actually be fascinated by God and to know our security in God. To not be fascinated by evil, but to be fascinated by God, to know our security in Him. And so in verse 13, it says, But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And so, you know, as people of the light in this world, we actually bring the light to the world. And if you think about it, light is actually redemptive. It's said in that verse that light brings what is good and right and true to the world. And so when we go into places of darkness as people of the light, it's actually redemptive. We actually bring the light. We actually bring what is good and what is right and what is true into dark situations when we go there. Or when we speak up for things that are dark. And so, you know, in our church, we have a really big passion for, um, about advocating for human trafficking. And so that's an example where it's an area of the world that's dark and it's evil, you know, to take children and to sexually exploit children forcibly. Like that is awful and that is dark. And so what we do as a church is we advocate for that. We shine a light on it and we say, this is happening because when the light's on it, it's revealed. People can see it for what it is. And obviously lots more work needs to be done, but we help by saying, this is a problem. This isn't okay. We raise money to actually advocate against that. We shine a light into what is evil and into what is dark. We get to be the people of light in this world. 
And we get to be the people of light for other people who may not yet know God. We have the light within us and their world might look a lot more like this than we realise. You know, they might have had a lot, not everybody, but for some people, their world has been really dark. And we actually get to bring the love and the light of God. I, um, my, my uncle's girlfriend, she hasn't ever really been part of church for her whole life, as far as I'm aware. And she came to our wedding. My, my husband and I, we got married at the start of this year. And we had like a really Christian ceremony and our reception was like here on the church grounds. And I think three times after the wedding, like in the, you know, the weeks or the months after, she came up to me and she said, it was so beautiful there. You could just feel it. You could just feel it in the air. You could just feel love. And I don't think she was like talking about mine and Dave's love, but she just said, I could just feel it. I could just feel the love. I could just feel it. It was just different there. I could just feel it. And there's this sense in which that's true of us, you know, like, and I think if we've been in the church for a long time, and if we've known God for a long time, and this has been our world for, the long t- for a long time, we can forget how different it feels for somebody to walk into this environment. And everyone's experience is different, but for some people, walking into this environment feels like light. It feels like love. They can actually feel the difference. And we don't just have that here in church. You actually bring that to your world. I know lots of people get asked, there's something different about you. What is there? What is there that's different about you? We actually get it to be a testament to God through the way that we live when we live as people of the light. In Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16, it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put... Um, light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so when we live as people of the light, it's not so that people will think that we're amazing, but it's actually so that people will see God. When we live as people of the light, we reflect God's light. You know, it says that His light is in us. It's not my light. It's not like a Rachel light. Like, wow, I'm so amazing. It's actually God's light and God's spirit and God's presence that's in us. And when we let that shine, oh, that's so cheesy. Shine your light. This should be on like a cheesy Kmart binder or something. But when we actually let that shine and we actually reveal the light that's in us, the light that is God, the light that is the Holy Spirit in a not cheesy but real sense, It actually glorifies God and it actually can bring people to Him. And I think that that's what this very end bit of the passage says. It says, um, you know, but their evil intentions of ungodly people will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. That's actually talking about salvation. Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. When people experience the light and see the light of God, it actually gives them a chance to know God. It's actually redemptive when light shines into what is darkness. So I'm just about to wrap up. So if I get the band up, that would be awesome. But I think throughout this whole passage, God's challenge to us is that we have the light of God in us. 
But are we living as people of the light or are we continuing to live as people of darkness? And I think for all of us, we're probably a mix of both, you know? Sometimes during the day, we're living as people of darkness and sometimes during the day, we're living as people of light. But I think the challenge in this passage is to choose every day. I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna be the person of the light. I'm gonna choose not to be fascinated by darkness. I'm gonna choose not to contribute to the evil of the world through my own actions. I'm actually gonna be a person of the light. I'm gonna be a person that's redemptive in the world because of God and because of His light within me. And so I've just got a couple of quick thoughts of ways that we can be light bearers in the world, some practical ways that we can actually bear the light of God in the world wherever we go. And the first one is to tell people our story. You know, if you get a chance to tell someone your story of how God took you and your life from darkness into light, tell it. Tell the story of that. The second one is to help people in need. Oh, wow, we have like spiritual guitar, no spiritual keys. This is amazing. Thanks, Dan. Um, um, is to help people. You know, in that verse in Matthew, it said that people will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so sometimes being a person of the light means cooking a people, uh, cooking a people, that's terrible, cooking a meal for a person in need or mowing someone's lawn when they're not able to mow their lawn or, you know, coming to food care and helping out at food care, giving the food to people who are in need. Sometimes being a person of the light means, you know, going on a mission trip or doing something really practical to serve other people. Being a person of the light could mean shining a light on a dark place through advocacy. Something like A21 or Destiny Rescue that we already do or, you know, the persecuted church, which we're also all about or something else, you know, a dark area of the world. You can advocate for that and shine a light on that and help people know about it. You can help reveal that. The fourth one is invite a friend to church. Invite a person you've just met to church. If God's, if you're walking through the mall and God puts it on your heart, invite someone you've never met to church. Invite someone to church. Because church in here is a place that people could get a chance to meet the light and to see other people of the light. Another one is to listen to people when they need someone to listen to them. You know, part of what light often is, is it's warm and it's safe. You know, if we have an opportunity to be somebody that's warm and that's safe for someone that needs to share, that's being a person of the light. You know, being able to just listen, to be warm and to be safe for someone to share with. Another one, this is a challenging one, is to expose dark places within ourselves. And, you know, there might be areas of our life where we're in sin and where we're doing the wrong thing, but it's hidden. And we aren't letting anyone know about it. And it's just, you know, you and your computer or whatever. And that's where the sin is in your life. And part of being a person of the light is being willing to shine light on the dark place in your own life. And that could mean telling somebody, getting accountability, opening up to your connect group. Setting up ways that you can't do that thing in darkness anymore. You know, stopping yourself before you even start. Actually opening up the dark places in yourself to other people and to God, shining light on them. You mean start with God. If telling someone else is like, ah, I mean, God already knows. You might think you're hiding it from Him. He already knows. But start talking to Him about it. Start letting the light shine on places of your heart that are dark. 
And the last one is just to commit. I mean, there's probably a million ways, but the last one I'll just mention is to commit every day to be, I'm going to be a person of the light. I'm going to be a person that brings redemption on this world. I know that in me, there's a tendency towards darkness and there's a tendency towards light because I've got the Holy Spirit in me. But today I'm going to choose to be a person of the light. Today I'm going to choose that rather than contributing to the evil of the world, I'm going to contribute to the redemption of the world through Jesus. I'm going to be a person that's warm. And it doesn't mean you have to be like, you know, this extroverted, warm, everybody come talk to me kind of person. Like God, you know, works with you and your personality and where you're at. But, you know, in a spiritual sense, that you are a person of light, you are warm and attractive in like in your heart and in your spirit, that you are living a life that people are drawn to, that they see how you live, that they see that you are living as a person of the life. We commit to that. That really can change things, you know. That's actually our calling is to do that, to change things in the world, to bring goodness and light. And it's, what, are, what were the words that said, what is good and true and right? Imagine how different the world would be if people lived out of what was good and what was true and what was right. And we actually get to do that. We're not fighting some kind of hopeless battle against evil. Jesus has already won and we get to be his people, people of the light, bringing that light, bringing that victory on the earth as it is today. And if you don't know God, if you're saying, man, I don't think I'm a person of the light. I don't know God, but I want to. I want you to know that God, He loves you. He created this world good. He created this world full of light, but darkness came in. And as people, we chose darkness. All of us have chosen darkness in our own way and that that separates us from God. But Jesus came to reconcile our relationship with God. He comes and He stands in the gap and He says that we can be back with God again. Just like we saw that video of Aslan, Jesus did that. He went and He actually died For us, He died in our place. He took the death that we deserved and He broke the power of sin. He broke the power of darkness. He actually raised from the dead so that we could go back into relationship with God so that we can be people of the light, people that bring redemption on this world, people that bring what is good and right and true on this world. And He invites you into that. He invites you into relationship with Him. He just, He wants to know you and He wants you to know Him. It starts with that. But out of that relationship with Him comes so many other things. It comes a desire to do what is good and to bring what is good and right and light here on the earth. And He just welcomes you into that relationship. And so if everybody could close their eyes and bow their heads. I just want to give you an opportunity. If that's you this morning, and if you're saying, I want to know God, I want to be a person of the light, I want to come into relationship with Him, I just want to encourage you to raise your hand now and just say, that's me. I want to know God. I want to know God in a way that I haven't known Him before. If you just want to raise your hand right now, thank you. I see those hands. That's amazing. Is there anyone else this morning that says, that's me? I want to know God. I want to be in relationship with Him. I want to be close to Him. Thank you. I see that hand up there as well. That's already three people this morning. Is there anyone else that says, yes, maybe you've been putting this decision off for a while, but you're saying this, but God's knocking on your heart and you know that this is your morning to come into relationship with God. Maybe for the first time, maybe you just step back into that place. Just so that I look around one more time. All right, that's awesome. I'm just going to pray, everybody. Keep your... Stay in prayer mode. I'm just gonna um, I'm just gonna pray, and I want to encourage everyone to repeat after me. We'll pray it together with these three people that have made are making a decision to follow Jesus. We'll pray it together with them in unity. Um, so yeah, just repeat after me, dear Jesus. 
I thank you that you don't leave me in darkness. I recognize darkness in my own life. And I repent for where I've done what is wrong. I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for making a way back to relationship with you. I want to give my life to you. I want to be a person of the light. Help me to bring redemption on the earth. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isn't that exciting? Woo! <laughs> awesome. So if that was you, we just want to encourage you to head up to the Next Step station up the back. It's looking super pretty and trendy. Thanks to the people that made it pretty and trendy. So head up there after the service, and there's people up there that would just love to have a chat with you and just um, you know, let you know what it means to live a life with God and encourage you and help you take your next steps in your relationship with God. But um, yeah, for all of us, let's commit to that. Can we be people of the light? Amen. I think so. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dave. We'll pass over to Dave to wrap it up.